You are listening to Faithless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Road. Each week we design new decks for tournament play. We put our creations to the test and share our findings on the air. The greatest thief in the multiverse has stolen the One Ring and used it to rack up a dozen trophies with slick modern brews. Dak Faden returns to share his spiciest five O's and assess the state of modern with Lord of the Rings. That's all coming up on Faithless Brewing. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Faithless Brewing Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Schriever, also known as Cave Dan, and I'm joined today by a very special guest. All the way from Split, Croatia, it's Josip Jukic, better known as Dak Faden 07. Josip, welcome. Hi, Dan. Hi, Dan. Glad to be back uh, on the show. Had a good experience last time, so very glad to be back. I like the show. I uh, like uh, all you guys, and uh, I also uh, listen to the show and watch what happens at your watch your program, follow your program every time. I'm glad to hear that. We're big fans of yours. If you follow us on Twitter, you probably see us retweeting Dax Brews. It feels like every day now, because you've been on an absolute tear. I don't know what the secret is. That's my goal for today, is to figure out what is your secret You've been spitting out trophy after trophy after trophy with just the sickest brews. Yeah. Like a young Croatian aspiring spike. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> thank, thank you. So, uh, yeah, I've been on a really good run uh, lately in the last week or two. Uh, just uh, whatever whatever I brew comes out uh, okay, comes out great, and uh, does uh, the results uh, at uh, worst great in the uh, current meta game. And I think, uh, I, think I just uh, had a fine understanding of... Uh, Meta game at the moment, and I did some right choices when uh, choosing uh, the type of decks I want to play right now, and uh, had the good uh, choices in my sideboards and a good sideboarding plan, and uh, it was it provided a good uh, result. Maybe I was uh, also it, it's probably also uh, a luck partially, but uh, yeah, uh, the brews have been going well lately. I'm very happy when. Things like this happen. You just uh, have, have the idea. You brew the deck. You try to play it in the MTGO league, and immediately you get the trophy. It's it's a it's a really good feeling. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's very exciting when you get the trophy immediately, and when deck uh, performs immediately after your you get that first uh, first idea first. Uh, the first idea like that something could work in the motor metagame, which is very cruel at the moment especially in this uh, ring meta but yeah you still have this uh you still have uh ways to make your deck that can be uh, good and can beat even those uh, uh overpowered uh, ring decks at the moment luck has something to do with it we all know variance plays a big role in magic but i think at this point we have enough evidence that it's it's a skill issue yosep you're just extremely good at brewing and at playing you know, you post all of these leagues on your YouTube channel. That's deck underscore Faden 07. And you can just watch the games. 
I learn a lot every time I watch you play. You see lines that I wouldn't see, and you just kind of think holistically about your role in the matchup. Uh, it's it's really amazing to see. I mean, I play Magic for a long time, and over the time, I developed some kind of intuition of uh, when uh, to. I play uh, different play styles, different archetypes all the time. So I'm not just an ex- experienced. Uh, I don't know, control player or uh, tempo player or burn player or whatever. I play all these archetypes uh, on a daily basis. Sometimes I even play multiple archetypes in one day. So I got a lot of uh, different experiences. Sometimes uh, it's hard to switch between those archetypes. You have to like change your mindset, change uh, the type of decisions you're making. But uh, I got a lot of experience uh, with it, obviously, over the time, already two years like grinding uh, daily uh, on the MTGO. So, yeah, I, I definitely got better over time at brewing and also playing. And uh, it's providing me results, definitely, uh, at the moment with all the brews and uh, just a better understanding of uh, everything that happens currently in the modern. So it's been about three months since we last had you on the show. I think that was back in April. A lot's happened since then. Both in the modern format, we got a whole new set, Lord of the Rings. We got a whole bunch of new brews. It seems like, you know, every week you're getting a new 5.0 and I'm thinking, oh, I should, I should ask Yosef to come back and talk about that. Next week, another one. Next week, another one. This week, you've been on a, like an absolute tear. I think you posted that you were, what, 21 and three or something you won four trophies in a row yeah i had uh, yeah i had uh, each with a different brew i had the ragdos uh, rings brew that uh, worked out very well for me it uh when you know uh, this uh, when this season started they started with the friendly leagues and the regular leagues so uh i uh, i've really liked the friendly leagues so for some time i was just playing uh, friendly leagues i really enjoyed it because it was kind of, uh, I was kind of uh, didn't want to go straight into that uh, terrible meta game of uh, Yagmoth playing uh, three rings and uh, the grinding breach playing uh, four rings with uh, Emery. Uh, it was, it is, it was just a ruthless, terrible meta game, and you had to play specific competitive decks to even engage to click that button, uh, start a league. So it was, it was terrible. But at the, <laughs> at the 5th of July, uh, on MTGO, uh, there was an option to a free pass. You know about free pass, of course. So a lot of people bought the free pass and everybody got access to all the cards. Not everybody, but a lot of people that uh, bought the free pass. And I think uh, really a lot of them bought it because uh, there was significant change in the metagame after the free pass um, was put on the MTGO, and that's uh, when I switched to play, start playing regular leagues. Because I also bought a free pass, and it was impossible to rent uh, the good cards, because they were always out of stock, like Bowmasters, uh, Rings, uh, even uh, Delighted, uh, what is called... Uh, yeah, Delighted Halfling. Yeah, Halfling, yeah. The only three relevant cards from the set, it seems, and <laughs> their prices were extremely high on Magic Online. Huge supply issues where people who, just like you're saying, couldn't even rent them from the rental services. So it really skewed the metagame. Uh, yeah, it was just uh, very hard to rent them. I was I succeeded to rent uh, Bowmasters uh, once and then returned them. 
uh, after a day, and then I wasn't able to get it again for like <laughs> I was so sorry that I returned. That it. was a mistake. <laughs> Definite mistake. So I bought a free pass on the 5th of July and then I started playing regular leagues. And uh, I started playing it with, uh, I wanted a competitive uh, deck and I also wanted a brew. So I wanted to make a competitive brew that I can uh, just uh, start playing uh, competitive uh, leagues that were really ruthless at that moment. So uh, I wanted to make either Bowmaster's deck or a ring deck. So I made both uh, in one. And it was, uh, uh, I called Ragdos Rings or Ragdos, uh, I don't know, what what can you call it, whatever. It's a Ragdos midrange with Waste Knot, uh, Bowmaster's Burning Inquiry and uh, one ring. Uh, so I made, I made that brew and had excellent, excellent results with it. I wasn't able to lose a game. I just uh, won everything I played and it just continued, continued. And uh, I played for 20, uh, you said it, uh, I I had scored 22 wins and uh, three losses. And that losses were like mostly getting used to uh, the deck and just making some minor mistakes that uh, cost me the trophies. Uh, So it could be even better if I had some more experience. It was a brew that I played first time and uh, experimented with uh, some sideboard options or something like that. So, uh, But yeah, uh, through those 25 matches, I definitely tweaked the list and uh, made my definite list, which I also have a video on my YouTube and on the Twitter account, uh, the link, the deck list. And uh, I think this is my definite list. It is the list that uh, got me the best of these results and multiple trophies. And uh, after that, immediately after that, I switched to the another brew got the 50 then switched to another brew got the 50 <laughs> then switched to the fourth brew got the 50 uh, sorry i got the one i got the 141 uh in the meantime but it was it was a, a really a mammoth you're slipping what happened <laughs> it was a mammoth deck uh, it was really a mammoth deck it, it was 68 card uh creativity uh, uh, deck with the ring <laughs> that also played the fires of invention. It was wait, 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 wait. Did you did you just say creativity with the one? Yeah, ring? but I played. I so played you would creativity uh, nah, and hit the nah. one. Ring. I played the transmogrify. Yeah, uh, uh, that oh, one. Okay. That one misses. <laughs> that one misses the ring. Gotcha. <laughs> that uh, that one misses the ring, uh, and I uh, and I thought like uh, my first idea for that one was like. Fires could maybe be playable at the moment in the modern uh, with the one ring because you play fires, play ring, and you don't care what happens in your opponent's turn, right? So because you play the one ring and you have protection from everything. So, but yeah, that was the only four one. Uh, everything else was a five zero, and uh, those were the last three videos on my channel uh, posted in the last uh, three three nights uh, on my channel, and uh, that were that is it. Uh, the tonight. Just a half hour ago, the last one uh, was posted on my channel. So uh, they're all there now. That's awesome. Yeah. So with that in mind, right? Here's here's what I want to do today. We've got about ten amazing brews of yours that I want to talk about. Most of these, just like Joseph was saying, got the five zero. A few got the four one. They are all on the Dak Faden 07 YouTube channel. Again, that's Dak underscore Faden 07. And if you check the episode description of this podcast, we'll include links to both the deck list and the gameplay videos. Definitely recommend giving Josip a follow there on YouTube. 
You've also got a new Discord server, I see. So we'll put a link to that yeah. in the episode description as well. You can hop in. You're very active on Discord, um, both in our Faithless Brewing Discord and in a bunch of other Discords. Always posting ideas. Always happy to chat about brews. Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, I use it to post my videos, and uh, so there are a lot of that. So just uh, like self promotion, because I really don't uh, sure. have any other ways of. Uh, promotion nobody is promoting me i have to like at least do some minimal <laughs> uh minimal stuff i can't i can so uh that's uh, that's it uh, and uh also i uh, i love helping people uh with their tech ideas i love uh, the few discords i'm from i mean uh, the longest like the zoo one and uh, i don't know the hollow one uh, uh several rhinos several discords that i'm uh, uh, just there for the longest time and uh, just i've been active in those in those but a bit less since i have my own discord because now i uh, do a lot of um, talking also there so yeah you're a fantastic resource for the community so i definitely recommend you know if you're listening to this if you use discord check out that link hop in to Dak Faden's Discord server. Uh, we'll put a link to his Twitter as well. You can follow him there and definitely give him a follow on that YouTube channel. So we're going to dig into decks. Uh, that's the bulk of the show. Before we get to that, I just want to ask you big picture. So right now we're a few weeks into Lord of the Rings season. The pros, if we can still call them pros. <laughs> Some people are testing for the upcoming modern pro tour in Barcelona. As you mentioned, there's a Magic Online all-access pass, which has temporarily solved some of the card availability issues on Magic Online, so the time to experiment is now. My question for you, Josip, is what do you make of the impact of Lord of the Rings on Modern so far? You alluded to this a little bit about you know, a really harsh metagame, overrun with the One Ring, overrun with Orcish Bowmasters. A little bit of delayed halfling. We can't leave out the yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. How are you feeling about Lord of the Rings so far? So uh, always, when the new edition comes, uh, especially when a more powerful edition comes, like uh, uh, this one, for example, which goes directly into modern. Every time there is like a period of uh, players just uh, playing old decks and uh, other players playing uh, the new decks with the uh, new cards. So. There is always going to be, uh, like in the beginning, a big difference uh, because uh, the old lists just uh, didn't have sources to fight all the new stuff, all the new cards. There was a time where people needed to adjust their lists. Uh, they were just uh, not good enough for to fight these new cards. So there was that period which was pretty bad. It was a terrible time to play Magic on MTGO. Uh, maybe those like a week, two weeks, it was like partially un unplayable. You you were just, if you would join the MTGO League, uh, you would play uh, four same decks all the time or maybe five of them. It was, Oof. it was a really, uh, it was really, really a terrible time because uh, all the Agmod players uh, wanted to test uh, three rings and the Sheldred in their deck. All the breach players, uh, grinding breach with Emery, uh, wanted to test uh, a ring there too. And uh, there was just a period when, uh, if you weren't prepared to fight uh, uh, those decks, fight the one ring, you were just going to lose. And there was no possibility of grinding out those decks in any way. This all happened 
because of the first that impact of a four-color omelet, which was the first deck to put uh, the the most obvious deck to put uh, rings in. Four-color omelet had impact uh, that everybody wanted to hate uh, on uh, that deck and wanted to find a new uh, solution to win against the one ring. And one of the easiest ways to win against the one ring is to play the one ring of your own. <laughs> And to find to find the decks that can use the one ring better than the four color on a decks uh, can, and uh, the first week uh, the spike and uh, three other players were in a top eight of uh, the challenge, and it was uh, everywhere. But quickly, uh, quickly uh, players adjusted, and I think the modern meta game has evolved so much over the time that it can adjust to any card almost. Uh, I think uh, it had to be a very, very high power level of a card similar to the One Ring, of course, to not be able to adjust it, but only in the long time. Uh, I think in the short period, people can adjust uh, in currently at the modern uh, at anything because the card pool is uh, so large and there is just hate for uh, everything and a good strategy to beat any. Uh, so... I think that period has passed in the last month. And now uh, I think the meta game evolved, and there is uh, there is uh, now like ten reasonable strategies uh, to play uh, very competitive, which is a very high tier at the moment to play in the MTGO leagues, and uh, they all do well uh, against certain matchups, and against the others they have trouble. Like uh, that's uh, partially why Burn has researched uh, on MTGO recently. And because uh, as an answer to those four-color Omnat piles playing the One Ring, uh, One Ring is pretty bad against Burn. I side it out uh, with every deck. It, uh, they just play the instant, instant speed uh, Burn and they kill you on your turn, so it's whatever. Uh, so you're saying that the, the protection from the One Ring when you cast it only lasts until your next turn. Yeah. So if the burn player just has instant speed cards in their hand, they actually don't lose any tempo. They just wait for it to go to your turn. They basically don't lose much, yeah. Protection is gone. They basically lose much, uh, don't lose much, and uh, they can very well uh, take advantage of uh, players playing one ring. It uh, does. It, uh, it's bad in that matchup. It's also not good when you're playing against Yagmot, because uh, Yagmot uh, just mm. wins through the ring. It don't cares about protection or whatever. So uh, it's... Uh, those two matchups are already two uh, very popular matchups where you have to, I mean, you don't have to, but you mostly take out your rings uh, because they just don't care about the one ring. So uh, the meta game in the beginning adjusted in, in the way that those two decks were pretty high in popularity. Uh, also uh, Amulet Titan, of course, with the one ring and uh, other one rings deck like Tron. Tron is currently, I would say, the most popular one. At this moment, mm. so like if you're if you're joining MTGO League at this uh, exact moment, uh, the Tron uh, you will definitely play uh, Tron at least once. So it's very very popular and it's much better than it was. It's still uh, it's still beatable uh, with all the decks that uh, had a good Tron matchup before. Mostly they still have it, uh, but it, it is significantly better deck than it was definitely with one ring. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I think uh, I think most people are sure that the ring is going to get banned. Really, people are so certain that the ring is going to get uh, banned. It's like not even the question. 
but uh, I I also think that it is going to get banned, but not uh, I'm not so sure when. And uh, like most people are hoping, uh, like on the, at the Pro Tour, there is going to be a billion on the one ring, and they're going to ban it. But I don't think this is that is how it's going to happen. Uh, I think uh, the one ring can safely stay in the modern for a big period of time, probably like uh, six months or or even more. But it's just a matter of time of of time when uh, it won't be even possible to uh, sustain it anymore, to fight with it. There will be just uh, the deck that will use it the best will resurge after some time, and uh, it will be uh, it will be ultra dominated. And because the card is just uh, very strong and goes into everything, so I think it is going to get banned, but it's not necessarily going to get banned in a month. I think uh, maybe uh, we have a larger period in front of us uh, in which are we going to have to face uh, that card have to play against it have to play uh, with it whatever but uh, i think it is going to get banned eventually but not necessarily mm. immediately after the pro tour yeah because as as i said uh, i had a great success playing against uh, one ring and i had like best win rate Ever in my life, just playing against uh, one rings deck. So it's it's. Uh, but it, I, I'm not <laughs> playing like uh, I'm playing only Bruce. So I'm not playing uh, current tier one decks in the modern against them. I'm playing uh, my Bruce that uh, are not tired decks, and I have uh, extremely good success playing against one ring and beating the one ring consistently. So there is a chance that. Uh, this card could maybe exist in modern in a long time, but uh, it it just goes into too much of a decks that uh, it can be good in the long term, and I think it's eventually going to get banned. Yeah, I think that's true to the story as well. We know that Sauron is weak to off-meta brews, like Frodo and Sam brought an unexpected yeah. strategy to Mount Doom, and Sauron <laughs> was anticipating getting attacked by Tron and all that. Uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I've seen some counter takes saying, oh, you know, the one ring, all the hype is overblown. It's really just Jace the Mind Sculptor updated for the modern era. It just draws cards. And just like you're saying, certain decks, Burn, Yogmoth, yeah. can totally ignore it. So I don't think there's a complete consensus yet. You know, the last time that uh, Mana Symbol was on, I think last week, he felt like it was way too early to be declaring that okay it's definitely going to get banned but i trust you on this <laughs> you've been in the trenches you've you've seen this so other cards that you mentioned obviously orcish bow masters the second best card in the edition i uh, i must say that i really really love this card it's one of my uh, favorite and uh, uh in the not from this set but from uh, last few years uh, printed into modern I've been enjoying this card very much, and uh, it's a, such a good counter to the One Ring. It's amazing those two cards came out uh, in the same set because one of the most powerful, uh, one of the ten most powerful cards ever printed into Modern came into the into the set with a perfect uh, card that can be played in other low to the ground, low mana cost uh, decks that can uh, very efficiently counter this strategy with discard spells with the cheap uh, counter uh, magic and uh, this great creature 
which uh, just does a great job against the, the ring. Okay, so the Orkish Bowmasters uh, is a great solution for one of uh, the previous uh, worst menace in the modern, of course, Ragavan. It's a, it's mm. a such a good solution for Ragavan that you you kind of rethinking of including uh, Ragavan as out includes uh, in your decks. Oh wow! It's not. Uh, it's currently not as uh, much auto-include as it was, and it's uh, sideboarded a lot more than it was ever previously. So, excellent, excellent solution, and a great example of a one card that, uh, that impacted the modern format uh, very much, but I, I can say that it was mostly in a very positive way. So, uh, many people were like uh, uh, unhappy with the strength of Ragavan, and I mean, you can play the Orkish Bowmasters into a Ragavan deck, but still, even then, you are even weaker to the opponent's uh, Bowmasters because they can kill your Bowmaster, plus they can now kill your Ragavan. So I think it's a great, great, um, great card for the current modern, and uh, it enables a lot of uh, strategies. And uh, the one card that I really like uh, how it interacts with is the Burning Inquiry. And you will see a lot of brews on my channel lately using uh, Burning Inquiry with Orcish yes. Masters. It is not uh, my brew originally. I mean, uh, people used Burning Inquiry with a waste knot uh, long ago, and I was uh, always a fan of a waste knot tried uh, different uh, waste nut strategies in the past. They were never quite uh, good enough. They were okay playable, but with Orkish Bob Masters, they really got to the another level, and that card, Burning Inquiry, uh, kind of requires from you to play uh, another synergy with it. You can't just play Inquiry and Bow Masters. You got to have something else there. Uh, Sheldred is a great example of a great good synergy with an Inquiry. Mm. It's a one-mana... Uh, opponent lose six life you gain six i mean that's crazy that's nasty my gosh that's really nasty and uh other other <laughs> cards that uh, synergize well with this card burning inquiry they're all good uh, cards playable in the magic before it's a c- card like narset uh it's a three mana planeswalker when you cast the inquiry opponent uh draws one card and discards three cards at random, which is also pretty nasty. It can completely demolish their hand, even if they have like five, six cards in hand. Uh, also, Sheldred, I already mentioned it, Waste Nut. Uh, it's a, Waste Nut is one of the best uh, synergies. It was uh, always the best, uh, but I would say that Orkish Bowmasters is now uh, better. With the Waste Nut, you don't know what you are getting. You can sometimes get mm. six mana and... Uh, have no good ways to use it. Uh, sometimes you will draw three cards. Sometimes you will make three uh, zombie tokens. But with Orkish Bowmasters, you exactly know what you're getting. So at the beginning, when people don't understand, didn't understand really what uh, this card does and how good it is, I, ju- I could try to compare it with the Scammed Fury. So uh, on turn three... Oh, wow. <laughs> on turn three, you play... Uh, for example, on turn three, it can be, uh, I don't know... Uh, later or whatever but on turn three you can uh, theoretically play orcish bow masters ping one damage wherever you want and then play uh, inquiry and uh, ping three more damages wherever you want exactly like uh, fury does and you get uh, the four four body and you also get additional one one body so i mean uh, for three three mana and just two cards you don't need three cards for this one you just need two cards Hmm. 
it's a difference in mana, uh, but you only need two cards to do this. You don't need, for Fury, you need uh, three cards. You need a red card to pitch it, and you need the Undying Spell, which is kind of useless in your deck unless uh, you have uh, the Elemental to pitch, of course. Uh, so um, this way uh, you get uh, to not being forced to play uh, bad cards in your deck like Undying Spells, but uh, you only uh, have to play the Burning Inquiry, which by itself is not great, but you have uh, so much uh, ways to synergize with it in your deck that it it is almost always the best draw. It is just so good in all the uh, shells I tried it in. Uh, some other cards that synergize well with it uh, are also like Hollow One, I already numbered uh, best of them, like uh, Sheldred, uh, Narset, uh, Wastenot, and Bowmasters. So, but there are others, like, uh, obviously, uh, less playable, but also uh, good. And like Birgi, for example, and something like that. But yeah, okay. Mm. Yeah, I mean, what do you make of Underworld Breach with Burning Inquiry? Because that's, that's one way that you can really go off, since Burning Inquiry puts exactly enough cards into your graveyard to fuel the escape for Underworld Breach. Now, before Bowmasters was printed, there, there was like a half-formed shell that used Inquiry and Underworld Breach together. Okay, so uh, if you check my YouTube channel, you will see a series of uh, Burning Inquiry Bowmasters Brooks. And the first one was uh, really, really low to the ground, uh, Ragdos Rock uh, variant of uh, Inquiry Bowmasters Wastenut uh, list that played uh, Dragon Race Channeler, uh, played mm-hmm. Mishra's Bubble, just 18 lands, and uh, some really effective, like, uh, low mana cards. Yeah, obviously, Totsi is, is great with the Waste Knot, and um, Kroxa is great with uh, Inquiry. All the cards are so synergistic. So in that variant, I decided against playing the Breach, but it can be so easily fit there that, uh, that there are just so many payoffs uh, that uh, you can play breach, but you don't necessarily need to. In the end, I included some breaches in my video. I already forgot. Uh, but uh, yeah, you have uh, you have Croxa, you have a Turak on the sideboard, you have Doughty Void Walker. Th- these cards all synergize very well with uh, Burning Inquiry. You have in the main uh, Bull mm. Masters Waste Not. I already said. So in that first version, you had a breach. Uh, with the inquiry and all these cards I mentioned. But then uh, I started uh, to try some other cards, uh, other variants, and in the end, after all these variants, I tried Grixis, I tried the Hollow One, uh, I tried some other versions that uh, maybe didn't end up on the channel. But in the end, after all of these uh, versions, I realized some things. And uh, my uh, conclusion was that sometimes you play Waste Not on a turn two and you untap and uh, play, uh, play a land and play the Burning Inquiry. And in a lot of these situations, you get at least two mana. Mm-hmm. Each land is two mana. Yeah. So you have, at, th- at that point, you have two mana uh, in your mana pool from the Waste Not. It's it's just a probability that in three cards there is going to be one land. That happens quite a lot. Because the third of the deck is the lands and you, you uh, mill three cards. So uh, there is a high chance that will be uh, one land. So a lot of these times uh, that happens and you get uh, four mana effectively on uh, turn three after casting the Inquiry. 
So you get the chance to cast these uh, four mana cards a turn earlier, like you're ramping. And uh, the best four mana cards, obviously, to play in that kind of deck is Sheldred, that I already mentioned, and obviously the One Ring. Then after some gameplay, but also Kroxa, we can mention that later. This is, it is kind of incredible if you fetch twice, at least twice, and play uh, Inquiry on turn three with the Waste Not to get two mana, you can immediately escape Kroxa, which is kind of insane. That happened... Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that happened frequently. Uh, uh, frequently, uh, what happened is uh, turn two Waste Not, turn three, uh, I played my third Red Source, play the Burning Inquiry, get uh, two black mana, and immediately escape the Kroxa. That is, like, insane. But also, uh, the same level of insane is casting the One Ring and the Sheltered on turn three, that kind of rock-style uh, Rakdos Brew. So, uh, altogether, I think I perfected the, that brew, and uh, the re- result I had with it, I think it says a lot. It's still uh, 25 matches are not great number i can't say anything for certainly but i feel like that brew could really um, do some uh, good results if people take it try it and i already know that several people got uh, trophy multiple trophies with that list uh, so i think uh, i can say it's already confirmed playable good competitive but uh, we still have to see just how much will it maybe stick Will it, uh, people notice it or not, and that kind of stuff. So we're transitioning now to the deep dive on these sweet brews. Now, the list that you've got here from July 6th with this Rakdos Rings brew, is this more or less what you would recommend to people if they want to try this? Yeah, I think, yeah, as I said, there, is, there was a series of uh, Bowmasters Inquiry brews, and that mm-hmm. one is the last uh, Bowmaster Inquiry brew on my channel. And that is the version that I brewed after all this game experience with the different versions. And after all of this, I came and made this one superior version. I think uh, the version with the Dragon Ray Channeler is still uh, very good. But uh, Sheldred at this moment uh, is uh, just uh, so powerful that it's... I think uh, that is the reason why this last version is absolutely the best one. Uh, Sheldred beats so much decks, especially Yagmoth, which is very popular at the moment. Mm. It can all, It's also great against Burn, and the uh, deck has some resources to slow down a Burn or even play the uh, Sheldred earlier, so it will be. It can be relevant in that matchup. Uh, but I think overall, maybe still Burn uh, would be uh, hardest. Uh, for this deck, because I absolutely didn't include any hate for the burn. Uh, I mean, you can do this. At this moment, I didn't include any hate absolutely in, in this deck to fight burn because it was just so important to be good against the Tron, to be good to win against the Four Color Omnat. And I have a great score against the Four Color Omnat decks partially uh, thanks to the access uh, to the Blue Moon and the Magus of the Moon on the side, but partially uh, to the One Ring and the Sheldred interaction, because that uh, that interaction, I feel it's among the most powerful interactions right now in the format. So I think what people might find surprising about this deck is that it's built around this really sweet interaction you're describing between Waste Knot and Orcish Bowmasters and Burning Inquiry. And yet, 
if I think of it as a waste not brew, I would be surprised that there's really not that many cards here that are specifically designed to interact with waste not. You're actually only playing three copies of what we typically think of as like a very weird brew around enchantment. And I think it's kind of counterintuitive that it's just it's just so powerful when you're able to do the thing with Boarding Inquiry that it's it's worth having that be an option, but you haven't built your whole deck around that. The rest of the deck is cards like Ragavan, a couple of Croxa, Bowmasters, Season Pyromancer, Shaledrin. Yeah. You got four Furies, Fatal Push, Lightning Bolt, Thought Seize, Terminate, and the One Ring. So among those cards, which of those are actually designed to work with Waste Not? It's it's really just the Burning Inquiries and I guess the Croxas. Uh, yeah, so uh, the Waste Not, uh, it's not just the Inquiry. Uh, it's also great with Thought Seize. Uh, the Waste Not mm, gets, uh, gets a lot with Thought Seize. So every Thought Seize, uh, you play... You mostly target non-creature spells. This means that uh, you always get to draw a card from the Totsis, which is kind of sick. Uh, also, Croxa, uh, as you said, uh, you get a random ability from the Waste Knot, and uh, thanks to the Inquiry, you get access to the Croxa a lot more than you would usually. Uh, but uh, yeah, the biggest payoff is definitely Inquiry, and uh, I was kind of missing having access to the Inquiry uh, recasting Inquiry from the graveyard. In the previous brews, uh, in my first brew with the Channeler, I had, uh, as you said, Underworld Breach there to recast Inquiry from uh, the graveyard to have larger uh, access to it. And in my Grixis version, I had the Snapcaster uh, to recast the Inquiry, which was all, also kind of uh, felt uh, at times insane, especially since I had the Narset there too. And uh, Snapcaster being able to... Uh, recast inquiry from the graveyard in the mid game was often just a uh, game breaking it was like def- immediately finish the game uh, discard uh, all the best cards from the opponent's hand or just do a lot of damage with the bowmasters or whatever so uh, it was it was pretty good interaction in this version i didn't have access to casting inquiry from the graveyard uh, but still uh, i felt like i didn't need to because i had the wandering there which provides amazing uh, card advantage and uh, that way you get access to casting more inquiries because you will often just uh, be able to cast the ring and draw a bunch of cards and find that inquiry you need to in a lot of situations you will just uh, combo win the game uh, when you like uh, tap the ring for the third time and draw like uh, three cards and uh, at that point, uh, you will get uh, so many abilities with the inquiry that it will immediately uh, finish the game. So, yeah. Yeah. This makes me so happy to see this, Josip, because I actually have a weird personal history with the One Ring. So, we started this podcast, I think, in 2018 or something like that. And right before then, I was getting back into modern after having been away from it for, for some years. David, who is our other usual co host, he really wanted to go play this modern Grand Prix and he was sending me all these, all these ideas, but I was fixated on Waste Not. I just couldn't get out of mm-hmm. my head. And back then, you know, Faithless Looting was still ah, legal, okay, so okay, I had okay, this theory okay, okay. in my head that, oh, people are playing, you know, classic Hollow One with Faithless Looting. I'm going to punish them by playing Waste Not. So what did I play with? I mean, I surrounded it with cards like Snapcaster Mage, because yeah, I wanted to do Snapcaster on Burning Inquiry, but I had terrible stuff you know i had piracy charm funeral okay, charm, okay. i think cold against command so you could you know draw step flash in your snapcaster try to hit him with that piracy charm to get their draw step and instant speed discard it really didn't work i i think i came 
one misplay short of making day uh, two with the grand flea, but the deck the deck was not good. So I feel like I'm seeing waste not all grown up, right? When it's surrounded here in in a deck like you've got here with mature good cards, it feels like a grown up deck for the first time in its life. Yeah, uh, it was it was for a long time this card that people really wanted to work, but it was never <laughs> quite there. It never quite worked as well as they wanted. But I think I can finally say that uh, at this point, this card is not only playable in modern, but a pretty decent uh, option to uh, fight uh, some of the best uh, decks in the format. Yeah. I thought I would never say this, by the way. So, yeah, I was <laughs> so skeptical that Waste Not will ever be uh, as this good, but I think it's quite good now. Yeah. Agreed. And I would say the same thing about Burning Inquiry which, again, going back to Hollow One 2018, it has some constructed pedigree, but it really hasn't been a serious player in Modern. Now, you've had a lot of experience with, with Hollow One. In fact, you've, you've been one of the leaders in Hollow One innovation. So I do want to switch now and ask you about this Bowmaster's Hollow Vine brew. Okay. Last week, uh, Zach and I did a deep dive on Bowmasters, and we were struggling. We, we really thought there ought to be a Burning Inquiry Bowmaster's Hollow Vine deck, but we couldn't figure it out. And I'm curious, like, where you landed and what your thought process was experimenting with this. Uh, okay, uh, I got I got a 5-0 in the Friendly League. This was still when I was playing the Friendly Leagues. Uh, so this was a Friendly League trophy, which is also a very competitive environment. I only played, like, the best decks in the format there. But uh, only after that, I switched to the regular leagues and got, uh, got the three trophies immediately in the first uh, like five six leagues that i played so in a way i would say regular leagues were much easier for me than the friendly ones and i think the uh, i want to i want to mm. mention that too the friendly leagues on mtgo were quite refreshing i think a very nice addition for people who uh, enjoy it and uh, i think it's great for someone like me who can uh, who can tweak uh, the brews through that leagues and then when you do the 5-0 and feel like you perfected it, then you take it to the regular league. I think it's quite a good process uh, that I already got used to. And I take, uh, when I have a new brew, I take it to the friendly league. It's not necessarily easier, but people play less rings in the friendly leagues. Uh, they, yeah, they <laughs> tend to play like uh, good competitive decks, but uh, not the oppressive ones. Uh, I mean, they still play the oppressive ones. I don't know why. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, last league I played in a friendly league where two living ants, uh, two amulet titans, and the Grixis that shadow. I mean, it's not it's not oh. friendly. It's not fr it's not yeah. friendly at <laughs> all. Uh, but uh, yeah, at the beginning uh, it was a bit friendlier, but it is still it is still uh, at least one of the five matches uh, is easier than it would used to be. But it's uh, quite similar still, mm. uh, just a little different metagame because there are a bit less of the One Rings there. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned this because, you know, the announcement of the return of Friendly Leagues after several years without them kind of flew under the radar. I think we didn't even talk about it really on our yeah. show because I wasn't sure how popular it would be. But it's really nice, right? It's really great for brewing. I don't think it's very popular. Uh, but uh, I still uh, kind of uh, there was there is always like a 200 uh, online players 
And it's uh, mm. it's okay. It's okay. Uh, at the beginning, you had to wait a lot to find a match, but now uh, it's much better situation. I think it's getting uh, more popular at the moment. Yeah. Okay. So uh, for the Hollow One list, uh, what I wanted to say is uh, that I don't think this is my definite uh, variant of this list. I played it, uh, got the five zero in the friendly league. And um, kind of wanted to make a video of it as it is, as it was at that moment. Uh, but I found out in a lot of situations, uh, the deck was working much better post-board in the games where I uh, boarded in some of the interaction spells uh, that made uh, that shadow a bit better. Because, uh, I mean, uh, it's not that hard to uh, play shadow in this deck. But sometimes this deck can have a very aggressive hands, and sometimes you are forced to play the shadow really, really early. And uh, I mean, if you're not on a low enough life, you can't really do this in a good way. So uh, at some point, the deck worked better post board when I had the Totsis in or when I had uh, Dismembers in, uh, that interactive spells that helped me lose a bit of life. Because in this current variant, in the main, in the first game, I only had the street raids and the fetches. And often it worked great. Often I was, uh, I was able to, uh, to play everything, play out everything exactly as I wanted. But sometimes it wasn't just as perfect as I wanted. So, as I said, I don't think uh, this is the finished product. But it is, uh, it is a working list that got me a 5-0 and uh, had some pretty good uh, experience in the gameplay. But I think there is still some work uh, to be done to tweak some of the inclusions in the main and in the side. And uh, I think it will definitely be in the, one of my next videos. I find this list very surprising. It has some of the components that I think of as essential for Hollow Vine. So that's four Venge Vine, four Hollow One, four Burning Inquiry, three Ox of Agonis. Now you've also included Asmo and Cookbook, but not the full set. Three Asmo, two Cookbook, and four Street Race. The Street Race support the Hollow One. If you draw enough copies of Street Race, you have a couple of Season of Pyromancer as well. But I think you've made a persuasive case in the past that like Asmo and Cookbook are not necessarily must includes for Vengevine and Hollow One. Like they're, they're a bit slower, right? Yeah, yeah. And you didn't stop there, right? Because in addition to playing that slower kitchen package, you're playing Death Shadow, which is very unusual. You're playing three Call of the Death Dweller and four Orcish Bow Masters. The rest of the deck is four Insolent Neonates and three Oxavagonus. Uh, there are uh, a lot of uh, Hollow One lists uh, on my channel that you can check out. The previous versions, uh, there were like different Teamer versions. Earliest played uh, Diasmo, uh, others uh, later played Hadron Crab and uh, Koif. But uh, I think uh, people, uh, when, it, when they see this list, uh, they compare it to the Mono Red one or to the Timur one or whatever. And uh, they don't quite get it because uh, it's not really a typical, your typical uh, Hollow One list that you're used to playing because this, uh, this version of a deck is a more uh, very, it's, it's, mo it's almost a mid-range deck. Right, right. 
it's almost a mid-range deck that has uh, ex- accidental nut draws and accidental uh, very aggressive uh, starts. Of course, uh, this happens when you uh, either can play like Death Shadow on turn two, or when you can uh, bring back multiple Vengevines or play multiple Hollow Ones in the early turns. But uh, if you don't do this, I think uh, this deck is a lot better than uh, in winning the uh, uh, the mid game and the late game. Also, uh, if your opponent doesn't have a heavy uh, graveyard hate, uh, Ox of Agonas is a very very hard card to grind out. In this deck, you will always be able to recast the Ox, and you will be able to recast it for as long as you have cards in your deck. So it's a very good uh, card that provides excellent grind. But it's uh, in this version. You also have um, uh, Seasoned Pyromancers. Uh, you also have a Call of the Death Dwellers uh, that uh, can also recast the py- Season Pyro. There is a lot of card draw here. Also, the cookbooks uh, provide additional value and uh, partially card advantage when you tutor it with Asma, of course. So there is a lot of stuff going on here. And I think I didn't uh, quite perfect it uh, yet, but it's uh, re- it's really close. And uh, the cookbook is a card that is uh, playable in this deck, definitely. But it's always uh, just drawing the cookbook itself. It's it's never uh, never feels that powerful. It's always one of the worst top decks. It's a card you want to find when you play the uh, Asmo. And that's why I decided in this version I want to minimize uh, the number of cookbooks. Uh, but it is definitely still something, uh, as I said, a work in progress. Uh, but the list that got a 5 uh, which uh, means that it's uh, uh, working uh, pretty good and uh, definitely uh, a usable option. But I think I still have uh, some work to do on it and uh, I will uh, try to do a final uh, upgrade for it and uh, get uh, not another few trophies, if, it, if possible, yeah. I'm very curious about the Call of the Death Dweller package. It's the synergy that you can get back an Orcish Bowmasters, give it Death Touch, use that to kill anything, and then you also have one extra CMC, which could get back a Death Shadow. That'd be a nice play. Could get back an Eonate. It can always get back Asmo for free, so I think you talked about this sweet thing you can do where Call the Death Dweller gets back like Season Pyromancer and Asmo in the same card, which is very cool. But at the same time, it's just not a card you see very often. It, it feels kind of cute, and I'm wondering if that's a card you usually sideboarded out. Ah, uh, yeah. So, I it wasn't really a card. I sideboarded out uh, frequently. It was uh, better than it looks, and it was often in a lot of situations in the mid-game kind of uh, what you need to draw to win the game. Oh, wow, really? But at the same time, at the same time, uh, it is graveyard dependent, mm-hmm. and you are already a graveyard deck, so uh, you are making yourself a bit weaker uh, to the graveyard hate. Uh, so it is another card that uh, that is dead if you don't have uh, if your opponent has a graveyard hate. So that is the reason. Uh, that is basically the only reason uh, why I used to sideboard uh, some number of these cards out because I was afraid of it being a dead against the Graveyard Hate. But in the gameplay, it was always usable because you're a Burning Inquiry deck. 
you are filling your uh, you have uh, underworld cookbook, you have inquiry, you have other stuff to fill your graveyard. It's really uh, going on insulate neonate whatever. So the dream is to get back either bow masters with the death touch and uh, death shadow with the menace. That is the dream, or to as you mentioned to get the spiral plus uh, asmo. That is the best you can do, but also. Other options that happen more frequently are also quite uh, good. And if you're getting like uh, Bowmasters with a Dead Touch and the Insulate Neonate, I would say that's a good deal too. Uh, because Orcish Bo- I really wanted to try this card somewhere because uh, a Call of the Dead Dweller with Orcish Bowmaster uh, seems to have like really uh, decent potential, but it kind of needs to find a home. And it still doesn't have home. And uh, I still uh, have to test the real power level of this build compared to the previous Hollow One builds uh, at the moment uh, in the current metagame, but I think this is maybe a deck where that card could find a home. I wanted to test uh, more of this card, so that's the reason why I had the three of them in. I think four is too much. I think maybe ideal, uh, ideal number for this type of list would be two after some game experience just so you are able to include some other cards that uh, you want to play, maybe like uh, Croxa or a fourth copy of Asmo or stuff like that, yeah. Uh, so that is it. But the more uh, targets you have for it, the better the card is. So uh, if you change your mm. deck in a way that you have even more targets for it, it becomes even better. Uh, I, I thought I had a lot of good targets in this deck, and I thought if I'm going to try it somewhere, it is going to be here. And it uh, proved to be a quite good option. Uh, But uh, as I said, uh, it's uh, still a low sample, so I can't claim uh, anything. And uh, it is definitely among a few flex spots, I would say, uh, at this point for this deck. And uh, it is the deck I'm going to continue working on in the future, so uh, we will see. All right, so those are two ways to use Bowmasters. One, Rakdos Rings. To this very sweet mid-range version of Hollowvine. A third aspect of Bowmasters is that it has flash. Now, when we did our brew session on Bowmasters last week, we were very interested in whether you can put Bowmasters into the flash deck and kind of revive that strategy, because, you know, Mord is a big fan of the flash deck. Some people on Discord, Chattanooga was also messing around with it. And Josip, I know you've been messing with the flash typal deck for a while now. Curious if you got a, test, a chance to test it out, and how did it perform? Yeah, I, I remember when I first posted my uh, Flash Brew on your Discord. I think there was just a very large uh, excitement from the Mords and the several other people. From the Discord, they were really excited to try it, and they really, really, really liked it. And I was, it, I was uh, really happy about it. They were even more excited than I was, <laughs> so that was that was uh, that was funny, and I enjoyed it. So the people liked the deck, and they uh, further tested it, developed their own lists, and uh, but uh, in my initial lists that I posted there had the grief, mm-hmm. and more the more the immediately uh, removed the grief from the list and uh, did uh, like. Uh, non-scam version of a deck mm-hmm. but uh, my uh, initial variant had a griefin and i still i, I after the playtesting and everything I, i'm still like on the grief 
in the main, I still prefer that one. I, I mean, uh, there is uh, other good cards with flesh you can play in that spot. Obviously, there are some, but uh, Orkish Bowmaster is a great, great in, uh, inclusion for this deck. Uh, but uh, I think the grief even more now with the Bowmasters deserves the inclusion in this deck because you are playing all these um, other uh, elementals like uh, Solitude, uh, Subtlety. And uh, Ephemerate is obviously good in a deck, so why not include a few more uh, Undying Spells and the Grief? I think, it uh, for me, I, I, I don't want to play the deck without it. For me, it's an Esper Scam variant with uh, uh, with a splash of colors to include the Leyline Binding. But I really, uh, I really like how the... The grief, the power level, the grief has at the moment. It uh, enables you, uh, enables your deck uh, the power to win against any deck if you're able to do this ability on turn one. So if you can scam the grief on turn one, you can win almost against anything. If you can follow that play with almost anything uh, that counters your opponent game plan, yeah. So. Uh, I think grief is very strong at the moment, and uh, partially that is the reason. But partially, I just I really kind of enjoy <laughs> the, that uh, having that uh, plan, uh, that card in my deck because it's kind it feels kind of free inclusion there. Of course, uh, I too had uh, fun with that uh, list and uh, played it a lot. The excitement from other people also affected me. That helped me uh, to get more grinding hours with it, uh, more games, and I played a lot of it. And uh, I think uh, the version I have uh, now on my channel, my last version, it is for this moment my final variant. The only thing that uh, still uh, I, in, in the gameplay video I have, uh, I actually played the Samwise, the white one. Uh, but uh, after the video, I recommended people to use the Ertai Resurrected. I didn't uh, have it in the gameplay video, but I played some games after with it, and I concluded that it is the better inclusion. I really didn't like the Samwise, mm. the two mana white one. I really didn't find it uh, good at all uh, for this, at least for this deck. Yeah. So the way that this deck looks now in your current final version, you have the eight lords. That's four Slitherwisp, four Erend and Giada. Then you have four each of the good cards with flash. That's Ice Vanquidal, Orcish Bowmasters, Solitude, and yeah. Lime Binding. Now you have to surround the deck with enough to make these different scam packages work. So it's not just the four Grief, but also two Undying Malice, two Malachir Rebirth, four Ephemerace to support the Solitudes and the, the White Scam. And Urtai, I mean, it's very cute. You were describing a line where you can actually use Urtai to stifle the evoke trigger on one of your elementals and i imagine yeah. that urtai also just pitches to the griefs or to the subtleties that come out of the sideboard yeah i needed uh, yeah i definitely wanted two more black cards to pitch on grief and uh, i was thinking about it and uh, i played at one point i played the restoration angel but then i figured like urtai in this deck urtai is just a better restoration angel mm. <laughs> It is strictly better Restoration Angel because you can uh, counter your Evoke ability and you also get to draw a card. That's nasty. Which is kind of, it's a pretty nasty. But it's not just that. 
I mean, uh, Restoration Angel can only be used to save your creature or to blink it, but uh, Ertai also can uh, counter opponent's creature ability. So I think uh, versatility is definitely the reason. And that play that we just described, which is kind of insane, are definitely few reasons why I wanted to include it. But now we have different metagame than it was when I uh, made the video. So uh, we'll just have to replay all of those uh, pre-Lord uh, of the Rings brews uh, again to see how they do now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's just uh, everything is different uh, from uh, two weeks ago, and now it's just it's a different game. All right, so those are three very successful Orcish Bowmaster brews. I think at this point we know Bowmasters is good. So let's leave the Bowmasters aside for a second, and let's go a little bit off the beaten path. I would love to know, Josip, about Flame of Anor. Flame of Anor, it's one blue-red, instant, Choose one. If you control a wizard as you cast a spell, you may choose two instead. And the three modes are target player draws two cards, destroy target artifact, and Flame of Anor deals five damage to target creature. So obviously, if we're going to consider this seriously for modern, we have to be getting both modes. You can do one mode as like the fail state of the card, but really it's not worth doing unless you've got a proper wizard brew. I see you've been working on this, and I would love to know like how, how this wizard deck shaped up. Okay, so uh, the deck you're talking about, that is the actual uh, wizard tribal in modern. So all the creatures in the deck are wizard, and uh, we have some very cool uh, wizard uh, interaction in that deck. Uh, most notably, and one of, uh, I was really surprised how good it was but uh, one of the best interactions that in a wizard tribal right now i think is the riptide laboratory the land mm, interesting so that's a uh, legendary land taps for colorless pay one yeah. blue tap it to bounce a wizard you control back to your hand yeah it was uh, unexpectedly uh, uh, just much better than you would think and uh, just saving your creatures from uh, removal, uh, opponents have to play around it because they can't kill your creature. And if, uh, if they are tapped out or if they don't have cards in hand, you can just safely bounce your creature to your hand and just put it again into play uh, with the Ethervile and uh, do just really some nasty stuff with the Reflector Mage or with the Vancer or the Bounce creatures. Or even uh, even just some uh, other stuff. Oh, it's not legendary. Excuse me, correction. It's not legendary. It's just a regular land. It's not legendary. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's just a regular. Okay. So it's a it's a definitely a pity that uh, Oval Chase Daredevil isn't a wizard. <laughs> if Oval Chase Daredevil was a wizard, I think this would be uh, like much 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 uh, a different uh, level kind of deck. Yeah, because the the grind you get from Cookbook and uh, Daredevil with the Asmo is, uh, of course, uh, very uh, valuable. If you have it from the beginning, once Asmo enters the battlefield, you just can clear the entire board. But to make Asmo playable, uh, we had to make uh, some uh, enablers for it. So we have uh, three Cookbooks, uh, four Ether Vials that can... Uh, yeah. So uh, the first thing I want to say, the, the reason why this deck is playable is because you have option to go turn one uh, at a while into immediately put Asma into play. 
which has been tried in a lot of decks mm-hmm. so far. And it, it is really uh, one of the insane plays uh, in the modern. Uh, you play uh, at a while on one and your opponent doesn't suspect anything and you just put the Asmo in. And Asmo is wizard and you have a four step through in your deck to find Asmo, which, is, which synergizes just very well with Asmo because uh, uh, to play it you, have, you, you discard it from your hand. So you immediately enable Asma, so you can play it immediately because the step through is enabler. That's so cool. I can't believe it. I've never seen that before. Yeah. It, it, it seems so obvious now, but I've literally never seen that. Yeah, that's that's just so cool. It's a card that tutors for Asma, but also in, in, at the same time enables him. So, it's a, so you have three cookbooks of, uh, to put it in, uh, uh, four vials to put it in on turn one, uh, step throughs and uh, also refine informant as another uh, wizard mm-hmm. that uh, connives when enters the battlefield and it is much better than it looks in most situations you can choose to put a counter on it you still you, uh, you get uh, the the throw discard either way and uh, it it was a very good uh, very good card in the deck very important card uh, that also is just another uh, enabler for uh, asmo which is very important this is this uh, this deck is very asmo focused and uh, as i said if a step through can find the daredevil i think the power level of the entire deck would be on a completely different level uh, but uh, still i think uh, that uh, it i was quite surprised just how uh, how playable it was and uh, if you want to have fun and take this uh, to let's say friendly league uh, on mtgo I think uh, you have a high, high chance on uh, doing good. and But even, I think, uh, at, uh, this could work uh, even in the more competitive environment. But it is kind of a perfect deck to take uh, to your uh, LGS. Uh, have fun. Uh, it is also a deck that uh, will get better through the time. I mean, uh, wizards are printed into modern all the time. And uh, uh, it is... Uh, it doesn't have at the moment much wizard interaction, but there is enough. Flame of Aner is a very uh, good new card that uh, fits the deck very well. And uh, I played Flame of Aner in a lot of decks, but it is uh, it is not nearly as good as any deck like it is this one. It is always you don't have to even try for it. You always get the two abilities, so um, it is really uh, the best Flame of Aner deck. I would say uh, because it uses it the best. There is just no situation where you play the Flame of Fainer and don't get the both uh, abilities. It just literally can happen. So I think the Flame of Fainer is optimized. And uh, I would say uh, the inclusion of uh, four of uh, Burenton, Forge Tender in the main, which is, uh, in my opinion, best one mana wizard currently in the modern. Can wizard, baby. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Kitkin Wizard, and uh, but it is extremely good one because uh, what uh, do uh, all tribal decks have problem with? It's Fury, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, Scam is a tier zero deck at the moment. It won all the events in the last week, so um, uh, it's very important to protect yourself uh, against Fury when playing uh, aggro deck. And what is better when playing tribal deck? And what is better than playing four Burntons uh, in the main that don't just protect you against Fury, but also protect your meddling mage against uh, Bolt. For example, Crashing Footfalls was a very popular deck. 
when I played this uh, on MTGO. And uh, having uh, turn one put into first tender, turn two into meddling mage, naming crashing footfalls, would be a very, very hard situation for my uh, crashing footfalls opponent. Basically, in a lot of situations, that was already uh, almost enough to completely screw my opponent. Sometimes they had stuff like uh, Brazen Borrower, but in those situations, I also had other cards in my hand. So I was able to replay the meddling mage and then do other stuff with the reflector and stuff like that. It is more of a hate bear deck. It is doing a similar thing to what, uh, for example, uh, uh, that and Texas decks are trying to do in a legacy. Uh, so all, actually all the creatures you have in the main and in the side have uh, some kind of hate ability. And... Uh, there is a lot of one-offs because uh, obviously you have access to this step through, which is amazingly powerful card, especially if you have Ether Violent deck. This is a two mana uncounterable ability that finds any creature in your deck and you can immediately play it with Ether Violent. That is just so uh, very important and uh, for this deck, uh, power level, and it is what makes this deck actually uh, playable. So. Yeah, instant speed tutor turns on your Asmo. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah, instant speed tutor, which uh, provides uh, Magus of the Moon uh, turn three in every game. It is uh, pretty insane in the current meta game uh, when there is a lot of, uh, I don't know, coffers or Amulet Titan or Tron. Tron is uh, the tier one deck at the moment uh, by popularity, if not by the power level. But uh, definitely having almost every game access to the turn 3 Magus of the Moon, I think this is very good. And there are even more of them on the sideboard. So I think the Tron would have an extremely hard game against four meddling mages and the four Magus of the Moon and all of this other stuff. Also, at the point I was making this deck, like uh, Creativity was uh, one of the most popular decks. And uh, it is not now, but it finds the Orvar, the old form. <laughs> instant speed Orvar in response to the instant Archon? speed, yeah. Oh instant gosh. speed Orvar, it is kind of insane. So there was there is just a lot of matchups that are very popular on MTGO that this deck just beats uh, like uh, automatically, like you don't hit you have to try because you just uh, play your uh, cards that are generically just hating. Uh, few of the best decks in the format not all of them but some of them like uh, this type of deck is extremely good against uh, living end and living end is also among most popular uh, decks at the moment also another wizard granite magistrate mm-hmm. it's one of the best hates against crashing footfalls and the living end you have magistrate on the sideboard you have four meddling mages in the main you have four step throughs you have to uh, draw extremely poor to uh, lose because of the amount of hate you got. There is also Mistcaller, which is a one-mana hate. So if you have a vile turn one and a step through on a turn two, you can immediately Mistcaller. There is a one-off. That is the, that was the reason why I have the Mistcaller, because when I'm playing uh, against Living End on the draw, I have a card I can tutor to even win on the draw. Uh, it is uncounterable for them. So, yeah. A lot of options there. Yeah, this is an amazing deck, and what I really love about it is that it's wizards, and yet it's not reliant on 
spells. So the previous wizard payoffs are cards like Harmonic Prodigy or Nabon, Dean of Iteration, and they just send you down these weird paths that are kind of unsatisfying, and they always force you to try to balance your creatures against your spells. You're not doing any of that stuff. You're like, forget those cards. <laughs> My payoffs are Flame of Anor, just a good card, and this amazing tutor card, Step Through. And then the rest is a Taxes deck, right? 24 creatures, 21 of which are wizards. So it's just a totally different take on what a wizard's deck can look like. Yeah, so a lot of lot of people ask me, why don't you have Snapcaster Mage in this list? There's no spells. But, uh, <laughs> this, there, there are just no spells. Your Flame of Aenor is your only spell you... The Snapcaster is in unplayable. But if uh, you want to experience the full power of Flame of Fainer, I recommend you trying uh, this deck out. Yeah, awesome. Because it's really, it's really uh, every game you get the full power of the Flame of Fainer, and it uh, really performs uh, well in this list. All right, so that is a Wizards deck with Flame of Fainer. Next up, Josip, you want to tell me about your Naya Winota Legends? Okay, yeah, uh, Naya Vinota Legends, it's uh, the list I trophied in, I had recently on my channel, but actually uh, today before uh, before uh, they had uh, the maintenance on MTGO, I updated the list to a version which I really, really love, much better than this one on my channel, and I'm currently on a 4.0. <laughs> I almost succeeded to enter the last game before the maintenance, but uh, like, uh, yeah, it wasn't able. I wasn't able to join in the last second, so I wasn't able to finish that league. But I'm currently in the four zero. List feels uh, really good. So uh, what I did, uh, the difference between this uh, first variant on my channel, it's uh, really similar. It's really similar, but uh, the main difference is I uh, put in some Eomer uh, in the list. Okay, we gotta we gotta read this card because I don't think AMR has even come up. We didn't discuss it in the preview shows. So it's AMR Marshal of Rohan, two red red legendary human knight, four four haste. So human means it's one of your payoffs that you can find with Winota when you're getting that attack trigger. AMR says whenever one or more other attacking legendary creatures you control die, you untap all your creatures. And then you get an additional combat phase after this one. This ability triggers only once each turn. Hmm. So it's imagining legendary creatures dying during my attack step. So does that actually happen? Yeah, so uh, I started with this list and it was quite good. It performed uh, well, but I did some testing. I put one Eomer in, then I put the second one. And uh, I realized, wow, this, uh, this card actually does some crazy stuff. And uh, at the end, I uh, was thinking between uh, including three or four. It was definitely a three off a minimum. Uh, but I was also uh, just uh, I was uh, when I uh, upgraded the deck. I was uh, start. I started to asking myself, wait, is this the Eomer deck, or is this the Vinota deck? <laughs> wow, that that powerful, really. At that point, I wasn't sure if it was the Vinota or Eomer, but I would still say that Vinota is. Uh, bit more powerful than the Yomer in deck, so that was the reason why I included three Yomer and four Vinota. The Bolts, uh, Solitudes, the Questing Beasts, and the Melira got out of the list to make space for some uh, legendary creatures that can sack themselves uh, in the combat to uh, enable Yomer better. 
Oh, okay. So you're actually trying to make sure that you get that trigger. You're, you're going to kill your yeah. own creature to make sure you get the extra attack step. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm making sure I get that trigger no matter what my opponent does. So I had to take Melira out because it exiles herself. It doesn't uh, sacrifice. So it doesn't trigger Eomer. I left uh, the Safi in and I put the tree of uh, Hajars. Uh, that is uh, the oh. card that can sacrifice itself to give indestructible to all legendaries and a plus one in the power. And I included the three of the new cards from the Lord of the Rings, uh, the Boromir. I think that is a very good card at the moment for the current metagame because it passively hates on the living end, de- uh, living end decks because it counters the spells if you haven't played uh, paid mana for it. It also hates on... Uh, Furies and Solitudes, uh, protecting your Vinota from the Pitchcast Solitude, which is extremely good, of course. So uh, it is just uh, definitely a card that uh, these aggro decks want to play. And it's also great synergy with uh, uh, Eomer, but it's also a human, which you can find with Vinota. So it's quite synergistic. Uh, So three Boromirs, uh, three Hajars, and uh, two Safis in this deck together with uh, Ragawan and Vinota and the Yomer provide that you uh, almost always have something to sack in the combat. Even if you have just the two Vinota abilities, there is high chance, high amount of humans that can sacrifice itself, that you'll always be able to find one if you have Yomer in play or you find it through the Vinota ability. There is always a large chance that you will be able to trigger and immediately win the game, which is huge, which is, I think, really huge for Vinota decks. So now, when you play Vinota, you get to win immediately if you attack with, uh, let's say, two, uh, let's say three creatures. If you attack with three creatures, you certainly, almost certainly, will win that game, which is incredible. So far, it that wasn't the situation, and you would attack with Vinota, maybe miss one trigger, get one season Pyromancer, get Talia or whatever, and that would be it. But now there is a high chance that the one attack with Vinota will be enough to immediately win the game. And you can expect this to be my next video on my channel. So uh, check that out to see the updated Naya Vinota Legends. Uh, There is also the previous version, which I think it is good because it is using the Melira and the Safi. Uh, to uh, let's say this is a Zoish way of scamming uh, the elementals. Mm-hmm. Safi and Melira can uh, scam the Fury and Solitude in the play on turn two, but sacrificing themselves and uh, getting them back into the play. I think uh, that plus having the Lightning Bolt is also a good option. And the Questing Beast is a good card at the moment because of the One Ring, it's passively hate. On the one ring and uh, you deal damage in spite of the one ring protection. So I think the the current version on my channel is good, but I think the new one that I will do, I think that one uh, will be even better. And there is a lot of new cards uh, in this list. There is Mary, a squire of Rohan. There is Delighted Halfling. Uh, there is uh, Eomer. There is uh, also uh, not a card from Lord of the Rings, but uh, also a recent card, Samut, Vizier of Naktamun, which I think uh, for this exact list is one of the best Vinota hits ever printed in modern, because uh, 
of the text it has, it says that you draw a card uh, for each creature that deals damage and enter the battlefield this turn. And with Vinata abilities, all the creatures that enter, that are attacking, almost all of them are entering the battlefield that same turn. So you get a crazy amount of the card roll. So even if you don't kill your opponent on the same turn, there is a high chance that you will get a lot of the summon triggers and just completely uh, fill your hand and uh, swarm your opponent in the next turn. Yeah, that's that's amazing. You're blowing my mind here, Josip. I know that these things seem obvious to you because you've been thinking about them, but I think that for most people listening to this description of like how to use these cards in Winota, we would just never occur to us to do this. Like when you look at Aemer, my first thought is, okay, the legend rule, right? Maybe maybe that happens, maybe it doesn't. That's how my creature will die. But you go a step further and you actually seek out these legends that self-sacrifice. You already had Safi in there, but you're adding Hajar, Loyal Bodyguard. You're adding Boromir, which has that beautiful Lavinia hate text on it. And now you're guaranteeing the kill. I mean, Hajar makes your, your AM indestructible, so it's going to survive for the next attack. It's really amazing to see the way that you're able to take the things you've already know work and upgrade them. Like, I don't think anyone saw Samut Bazir of Noctamun and thought, oh yeah, that's that's going to take Winota to the next level. But I mean, it's a perfect inclusion. So I'm super excited yeah. about this. Excited to start picking up these cards. Also, this uh, new card, Mary, Esquire of Rohan, has worked uh, surprisingly well in this list. And uh, I was, I'm quite, quite surprised just uh, how many cards can you draw with this Mary. It's uh, upgraded uh, Galia. Uh, it's uh, much better than Galia because... Uh, it will uh, draw cards more consistently and it also just uh, has a good synergy with Samut and uh, some other cards in the deck. A lot of legendaries there. It's uh, just so easy to draw cards. The Absolute Nuts, of course, is uh, turn 1 Ragawan into turn 2 Mary, a connecting that is really huge. It is insane, almost. Yeah, so people might not know this card. It's Mary Esquire of Rohan, Red-White, Legendary Halfling Knight. 2-2 two, two haste, so 2 mana, 2-2 two, two haste, non-human. Has first strike as long as it's equipped, okay, we're not interested in that, but the second line, whenever you attack with Mary and another legendary creature, draw a card. So Mary has haste, so what Yosef is saying is, Ragavan turn 1, turn 2, you're attacking with 2 legends. That draws a card. Turn 3, let's say you play Samut, Vizier of Noctamun, also has haste, Attacking with Samut and Mary, that's another legend. So you're drawing a card. If you connect, Samut draws another card. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Some, I mean, it's not every game, but it happens quite often that you get uh, insane uh, value from these creatures you just numbered. Uh, Ragawan, Mary, and Samut can really uh, do wonders uh, in this list and can uh, easily outvalue your opponent if uh, they don't know what you are playing, and uh, if uh, it, all creatures have haste, and it's always going to surprise the opponent, even if they know the exact list you're playing and everything, but all creatures having haste, plus four Vinotas, uh, three Eomers uh, doing uh, crazy turns, it, you are always going to surprise the opponent for sure. Also, I would like to point out that uh, in the new version of the list, I added a second Minas Tirith to the mana base. Oh, really? Yeah, that card was really, really, really good. Okay. So it is exactly like Castle Locked Wine, but the ability costs one mana less. 
I played it for uh, four leagues or five leagues. I'm not sure right now. And it never entered the battlefield tapped. Really? Never. Oh, wow. Never. Yeah. It never happened so far. In the, <laughs> like, more than 20, 20 matches I played. So it, I think it is really, really good. Unfortunately, it provides only white mana, but that, that is the only... Uh, only drawback uh, I mean it, if it is the drawback or whatever uh, still you have some good access uh, on the sideboard I would say regular hate cards and uh, Dranit Magistrate, Magus of the Moon Endurance and the Orvar I think you have you can f- safely forget about Orvar for some time uh, Orvar is not needed in your modern decks or if you play MTGO, of course. If you play Paper Magic, then people still play Creativity there. But if you're playing the regular leagues on the MTGO, nobody plays the Creativity, so you won't be needing your bars. All right, so let's talk about Questing Beast for a second. You mentioned this is your anti-ring tech, and I noticed that it's not just on this deck. In the next deck we'll talk about here, which is a Zoo Scavengers deck, you're also playing Questing Beast there. Yeah. It's a just a really it's just a really nice a really nice uh, ring hate. You don't really have to hate the ring. You just play the card, attack with it, and it passively hates the ring. I think passive hate, uh, pass, uh, text that you don't have to pay any mana for or do any anything, satisfy any ability. I think this, these abilities are the best, and this is exactly that. You just pay four mana for a four four vigilance uh, haste that touch guy. And it passively hates the one ring. You surprise your opponent uh, by uh, dealing all damage to the face when they are taking their save for a turn. So I think this is a really good hate piece at the moment, really good inclusion. You can't play this anywhere, but uh, it is kind of a uh, good inclusion in this deck. But uh, there was no space in my uh, new version in the main. So I won't be playing it in the main in the updated versions updated version but it is definitely a card you can play on the sideboard especially since uh, you got more slots now because we don't really need Orvar at the moment so it is a sideboard option which can also be main decked in some strategies you will also see a questing beast in the new uh, rhinos lists on the sideboard mm. Yeah, you will see it there. I, I already saw a lot of players uh, playing uh, Questing Beast in the Rhino sideboard. And I already saw the price of the Questing Beast uh, skyrocketing a bit. Oh, really? Uh, not the regu- regular version, but I think the foil versions. But I think probably regular versions will follow it. Well, it is a mythic, I guess. So it's like almost could be the new Orvar until the one ring gets banned. Yeah. Yeah, it won't be really an Orvar, but it will be a definitely playable option, which wasn't the case so far. So there will be high demand for it, since Rhinos is a very popular deck and there are other strategies that will try to use this card. So definitely a card to pick up in this uh, still early phase, if you can. Uh, but uh, yeah, it it is uh, one of the most popular uh, ring hates, and the second one being a Bonecrusher Giant. Uh, or just uh, Havar Might to remove it, Leyland Binding, Fear uh, Asunder, stuff like that. So if you can't find room for Questing Beast in Naya Wanoda, maybe you want to try it in Dak Faden's Zoo Scavengers Brew. Scavengers here refers to Urborg Scavengers, which yeah. we described as 
like a soul flare variant. But what I didn't really process was that, okay, maybe it's just way better than Soul Flare. So much so that you built this deck here playing four Urborg Scavengers and many creatures with keyword abilities, but you're not playing Soul Flare. You're just saying Urborg Scavengers is a strong supporting creature given this attacking suite that I have. So tell yeah. me about, like, what was the thought process behind this deck? You call it Zoo Scavengers? Yeah, so uh, the, when, the zoo, when the Urborg Scavengers uh, came out, I created... Uh, Ragdos uh, uh, 8 flare list. I played that. It was good. It was fun. I was close to the trophy with it. Then I thought, like, I had to try this in the zoo shell. Uh, almost every deck I like, I try it in some version in the zoo shell. That is, that is what is fun for me. So I always try something <laughs> like that. If it, if it, if it's possibly, if it's possible. So. Uh, I wanted to try it in the zoo, and I included like four soul flares and uh, two scavengers. I, I was just missing enablers for the soul flare. It's not that uh, scavengers is so much better, uh, but it, the zoo deck just can't enable the soul flare effectively. I mean, uh, to play it on a turn two, you have to play cards in your deck. Not just in a zoo shell, sorry, but in a, in a Ragdos 2 or Junt or whatever you want to play. Uh, because to be able to cast that card on turn 2, you have to play some very specific cards on turn 1 that are not great in a modern... It has to be Insolite Neonate, for example. Like uh, two, mm. fetches and, uh, 2 Fetches and a Neonate. Mm. Which is, like, Insolite Neonate is a good card in the certain... Uh, archetypes uh, but i tried uh, to i did a successful uh brew with a neonate and a soul flare i think it was good but uh, not uh, as good as, uh, as as some other uh, versions came out so i started playing zoo as i told as i said and the soul flare just wasn't working out it was too hard to enable it i mean it was a good play on a turn four or five but i just wasn't able to find a good way of playing it uh, in the early turns. I always think about uh, Soul Flare when uh, playing Zoo because some of you know that some of uh, the popular uh, Zoo strategy is playing Eldritch Evolution into the Scion of Draco and finding some very strong 8 drops, 7 drops like Archon of Cruelty or Atraxa or stuff like that, which is kind of insane a turn 3 play which can immediately win you the game. But also, for that same strategy, Soul Flare is another card that you could effectively play in that type of shell with the Eldritch Evolution, which also can get you the 7 drop and the 8 drop. And there's also a black, which is a black creature, which is uh, what you want to have with uh, a Scion, as it makes a lot of black creatures in the Zoo deck make a lot of your matchups better, like a burn matchup. If you have Scion plus a black creature, it gets him lifelink, and uh, it's just. Uh, you get a lot of free wins or free matches in that way. So that is uh, definitely a card I'm thinking about uh, when the new cards come out. But at the moment, I think Urbox Scavengers is a much better inclusion, not just because we are missing enablers, but because uh, this card is actually hating on your opponent's graveyard. Mm -hmm. So uh, Living End is actually... Uh, you also have a Territorial Cow in this deck which also hates on your opponent's graveyard. If you choose on the attack, you get the ability to draw a discard from your hand, but you can also exile card from your opponent's uh, graveyard. And if you combine the turn two cow ability 
with the turn three uh, scavengers, uh, you can just effectively mess up your opponent graveyard just by playing your creatures, not doing. You are pressuring your opponent. You are uh, creating a good board, and at the same time, you are messing with their uh, uh, graveyard. So uh, I was able to win a lot of games when I was on the play against the Living End just by playing uh, Delighted Halfling or Ragavan on turn one and playing uh, Zeus Scavenger, uh, playing Urborg Scavengers on uh, turn two, immediately removing a creature from their graveyard. Then next turn on the attack, if they cycle on their turn, I can remove another creature. And uh, at that point, uh, I was already able to put some of my creatures into the graveyard making uh, harder for them to actually try to play the living end and they are already in a very hard situation which is very hard to get out of it is just another piece that fits in well but of course what you want to do with this creature is play him exile the creature with the haste from your graveyard and then attack with it to get the second ability make him 4-4 exile the fury from your graveyard to give him double strike and hit your opponent for uh, 8 damage with flying uh, or whatever. So uh, the Samut, Mantis Rider, Questing Beasts, uh, creatures in a deck that provide uh, our uh, scavengers with haste, and also some other abilities, of course, like uh, Vigilance, uh, Trample, Flying. Flying is very relevant. Mantis Rider and uh, Scion have Flying, uh, which is... Uh, but uh, the creature is uh, good by itself, it's, I mean, uh, it is a creature you can play uh, just on a turn two with the Halfling or the Ragavan, and uh, it is a 3-3. Next turn, when it attacks, it's a 4-4. Turn after that, it's a 5-5. You then start giving him the abilities, and it is good by itself, but uh, it is at its best when you can fully synergize it with, uh, of course, other creatures from your deck. So that is why in this deck you mostly play other creatures on turn two, like you play turn two Mantis Rider or turn two Samut, then that creatures die, uh, and uh, they die quite easily because they have a low uh, low toughness. But they mostly do the job already because they have haste, so they mostly even either attack or Samut draws your card, then dies turn after. So you often get to do uh, this kind of uh, good trades and uh, get the full uh, ability from the scavengers. You still have all the best cards from the regular Zoo deck. There is a Lightning Bolt, there is Leyline Binding. On the sideboard, there is Stubborn Denial, Fury, Force of Figure, Hidetsugu, Tira Sunder. So you get uh, everything you have in the regular Zoo. And uh, you also have the Hierarch here for the Slight Ramp. And uh, I think the overall, this uh, strategy is uh, among a few best uh, zoo strategies at the moment. I'm a bit skept- uh, uh, skeptic about uh, a regular zoo lists uh, right now in this uh, ring meta game because uh, the Yagmot matchup was pretty even before the one ring, and uh, I think the one ring and the Sheldred uh, didn't help uh, the matchup, and also uh, the Bre- the grinding breach matchup was always uh, bad. I mean, not bad, but uh, not favorable. Plus, the black coffers is among the most abysmal matchups for the zoo. And 
the Grixis Death Shadow is also one of the worst matchups for Zoo. All of these decks gained popularity lately, so I think it's uh, not uh, the regular Zoo lists are not at a good position right now, and I think they fell off at the moment. But uh, I think uh, still uh, Tron is still a very good matchup for Zoo, so that is a good thing, and uh, Tron is very popular right now. And of course, there are some other. Uh, so I think the Zoo lists will also have to adjust and will have to uh, evolve to something else. I'm uh, currently working on uh, several Zoo lists, some of them even using the One Ring. So we will see uh, how they uh, perform and uh, what will be my choice of uh, the best list. This is, this is me uh, starting to work on Zoo, this list, and uh, Zoo uh, Scaminator. Uh, that was when I started to working on the Zooish list. And now I switched to the Vinota and the regular Zoo. And also the Zoo with the One Ring. So some few lists I'm working at the moment. So we'll see how they work out. I mean, looking at the, the Zoo Scavengers list, the Scavengers is the only black card in the deck. But it makes total sense thinking about, okay, if, if they're coming with decks like Cabal Coffers that just slaughter my zoo creatures. The opponent's going to do all the work of enabling the scavengers for you, yeah. and you end up with a card that's basically got all the graveyard trespasser upside, but way more upside than that, because you can keep growing it, you can pick up these keywords. I mean, picking up the double strike from Fury sounds amazing. Picking up haste, and now it supports the somewhat package. This, again, like I think it, it feels obvious to you because you know it, but this is just really out-of-the-box thinking. <laughs> like going into black just for the scavengers in a zoo list is beautiful. This thing you mentioned is uh, one that always makes me smile when people ask me. But uh, uh, but Duck, how do you how do you support the scavengers? Territorial cowboy is not enough uh, to put uh, the targets into the graveyard. And then uh, I always smile when they ask that because I tell them you <laughs> you play your creatures and they die. <laughs> and it's 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 the easiest. I think this is the. I was thinking about it, how to enable it, and I think this is definitely, and it uh, proved through the gameplay. This is the easiest way to enable it. You just play the Samut on a turn two or turn three or the Mantis Rider, whatever. If if it uh, doesn't die, you are in a very good position. If it dies, uh, you still uh, can profit uh, well because uh, of it because of the scavengers. So it it is kind of a win-win for this deck. Exactly. Now, I do have one argument that I have to pick with you. And I know that you are a zoo expert. You've done probably the most for zoo of anyone out there right now. But the way that you use the term zoo is so expansive that at a certain point, I feel like it starts to lose all meaning. And what am I talking about here? I'm talking about your next deck, which you are calling Zoo Ring Scaminator, but I'm just going to read out the cards and listen to this and tell me if you think this is actually a zoo deck. Because <laughs> this looks nothing like the previous deck, nothing okay. like it at all. Okay, so here's what's in this deck. Zoo Ring Scaminator. Four copies each of the following cards. Territorial Kavu, Grief, Fury, Archon of Cruelty, Scion of Draco, Undying Malice, Persist, The One Ring, Invasion of Amonkhet and Invasion of Ergamon. Very clean, right? Four copies each of 10 different cards, 20 lands. Where is the zoo in this? Where, how is this a zoo deck? Yeah, I, see, I see Territorial Kavu. That's it. I mean, I mean it's, a, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, just, a, it's a, <laughs> just a name of the deck. And uh, 
there are so many parts of the decks here. So you have to use each one of them in the, into naming the deck. So, I mean, uh, yeah, like uh, okay. Scam, you have a Grief and the Undying Spells and the Furies. You also have uh, Kavu and the Scion and the Fury uh, in the Zoo deck. Uh, also, uh, Invasions, when they came out, there were a lot of associated with the Zoo because of the Tribal Flames and how easy it enables all of them. Uh, so okay, but there's no tribal flames here. So you're saying that having territorial kavu? Yeah, there was a tribal flames there. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the one the one ring came out. The one ring came out, and it replaced the flames and uh, some other options. Yeah. So in a previous version of this deck, one I had multiple trophies with this list uh, on my channel. In the past, in the previous versions of this list uh, before the one ring. Uh, some of the cards I played in those slots were Tribal Flames, uh, Seasoned Pyromancer. There was uh, even Eldritch Evolution because of the Archon, second Scion into Archon. I played a couple of Eldritch Evolutions, which was uh, also you could sec uh, Kavu to get Grief or sec Fury to get uh, sec Grief to get Fury stuff like that. So it was a very usable spell, but uh, you also mostly wanted it to sack a Scion, of course, to get uh, to get Archon on turn 3. Uh, it was just another way of getting the Archon, but the uh, ultimate game plan of this deck is playing uh, 2 mana, uh, Kavu or Scion, and uh, playing turn 3, uh, Invasion of Ammonet. That is the uh, best play of this deck. And it mostly ends up by opponent just completely uh, devastating your opponent because uh, to do this uh, to do this you will be mostly uh, like either pitch cast the fury from your hands to clear the way to attack the ammonite or you will mill something good into your graver like archon or something from your opponent's deck whatever still a lot of good uh, lot of good uh, targets there if you're playing against four color omnath you can mill into their Elish, you can mill into their Omnath, you can mill into their Fury, whatever. So there are a lot of currently good options in modern you can hit with the Omnath. Also, turn 2 Kavu and turn 2 Scion are very good plays by themselves. You also have an option to go turn 1 Scam uh, Elemental. And uh, yeah, what I noticed here in this variant that uh, by adding the One Ring, I had to cut on some red cards. I had to cut on some red cards, which made uh, scamming fury a bit harder. Uh, but I think it's still uh, it's still uh, pretty uh, inconsistent. So I'm liking it like this. But uh, I want to say for all these people that want to uh, test this list, the one rings are not absolutely necessary. There are a lot of options you can uh, try instead if you want to play this in paper. So uh, I already numbered some options, but you can check out my. Uh, older lists of the same deck from the channel to see what else I use there. And yeah. Okay, so that's it. I do love the deck. No hate for it. I just think it's funny that you, you call this a zoo when... Okay, it's just these two attacking creatures. I, I mean, it is not a zoo. It is not a... It is not a, <laughs> it is not a reanimator fully because you're not fully on the reanimate plane. You are. It is also not... A, it is the most that it is, it is a scam because you're still playing uh, Undying Spells and the Grief and the Elemental. So maybe it's uh, mostly just five color scam or 
would you be satisfied with that name? I don't know. I mean, you you put scam in every deck too, so it's hard. Uh, yeah. It's hard to know when you say scam, like what the rest of the deck looks like. <laughs> maybe maybe Zoo Ring Scaminator is correct. Maybe that's the yeah, only appropriate okay. name for this. Doomwake played the deck yesterday on the stream, so uh, I'm not sure how he ended up with it. But uh, watching someone else play the deck was also very fun, and uh, just seeing uh, other uh, angle. Seeing it from the other angle, I it's just uh, it, I think th this deck is just extremely fun to play, and uh, it attacks opponent from so many angles, and uh, yeah, I really like it. So, gameplay question for this because I think people are still not really accustomed to using battles. Now, invasion of Amonkhet, we've talked about that in a few different contexts over the past few weeks on the podcast. But Invasion of Ergamon is one that you don't see as often. This is red-green. I think it has five defense, right? When it enters the battlefield, you discard a card, draw a card, and make a treasure. My question is, do you actually attack the Invasion of Ergamon? Because when you attack it, it, it flips into, what, like a 3-4 boar that also gets you another battle? Something like that? I had uh, another brew on my channel in the past. It was called uh, Domain uh, Battles. And in that list, I played uh, the Invasion of Ergamon and the uh, Invasion of Alara. And uh, the Invasion of Ergamon uh, in this deck is used in a different way than in that deck. So in this deck, you, you are using the Ergamon as a discard outlet to put the Archon into the graveyard. That is the primary use mm -hmm. for the Ergamon in this deck. Uh, it is not just that. I would uh, then play the Bitter Union uh, instead but it's also providing you a treasure which is significantly more important uh, for this uh, for this deck than the haste from the bitter union because it is a five color deck uh, it benefits greatly from uh, extra treasure which can help you get rid of the blood moon but also uh, it is uh, zoo decks are uh, known because of the number of two drops they play in their decks. So the, all the zoo decks have a huge number of two drops. Uh, all the most popular spells are cost two mana. So uh, for the invasion, of, what the invasion of Fergamon does is it enables you to cast two of your two drops on turn three, which I think uh, so far in my experience uh, worked out pretty well. And the opponent won't expect you to discard Archon and play Persist on the same turn. Uh, when they're passing the turn on the turn three. So they, you're untapping on your turn three, playing your third land, and they definitely not expect you to be able to put the Archon into the graveyard and to immediately persist it. But you have the Invasion of Fergamon, which provides you treasure, and with the three mana, you're able to uh, curve out uh, much better. It's not just in that... Uh, in, it's not just in that... Uh, situation but also just playing any two drop it it feels very good like uh, curving out uh, the uh, with the uh, ergamon playing either invasion to getting uh, trying to find the land then finding a land putting into the field casting your cow or sound or whatever it is just a uh, very good uh, it fits very good but also it ramps you into playing a turn three grief of course uh, just hard casting for example or in this version, just hard casting the ring on turn three, which can also be uh, important and uh, can win, definitely can win you games just by casting turn three ring uh, for some decks that is unbeatable. Yeah, so there's a nice brewing lesson here. 
when we were evaluating the battles, right, trying to figure out how much is the front side of the battle worth, and then how much work do we have to do to flip it, because most of the battles, the way that they're priced, you feel like if you don't win the battle and get the backside, you're not getting your full value. But there's a few of them, a few of them, where the front side is just unique enough that like there actually is no card that does everything Invasion of Urgamon does just on the front side. Like yeah. you're saying, Bitter Reunion seems to do the discard part, but it doesn't do the treasure. And the treasure yeah. on top of the discard is super important. So yeah. always great to just look for little tools like that that open up new brewing spaces. Now, my question though, Yosef, is do you, do you actually attack the Invasion at any point, or do you just ignore it? Okay, so yeah, I, I didn't uh, finish uh, what, I was, uh, what I wanted to say. So in this version... Uh, you don't attack it. You mostly don't attack it. But if you check out the other brew from my channel, mm. the domain, domain Battles, uh, in that version, you almost always attack the Invasion mm. of Ergamon. Okay. So, uh, because the Invasion of Ergamon, second ability, uh, lets you find a land or a battle from your deck. And uh, that second brew is basically all about just resolving your Invasion of Alara. And that uh, that card is like uh, enabler of all all battles. It's it's a it's a good fit for the zoo deck because it can find you a land, and uh, one land that zoo very uh, likes very much is Boseju. So uh, with uh, just one forest in play, you can uh, flip the invasion of Ergamon and find yourself a Boseju to kill the Blood Moon. Uh, which is which has been relevant in a lot of situations and make one of Boseju much more impactful than it would ever be. But also, uh, in this version, as I said, you almost always, always attack the Ergamon and flip it as soon as possible to get the invasion of Alara into your hand. And uh, basically, then you, when you are able to cast the invasion of Alara, then you mostly win the game. Uh, I was also thinking about doing uh updating that uh, domain battles uh, decklist because of the one ring and uh, i think the invasion of alara cascading into the one ring is uh, kind of uh, it i think it is overkill it is almost over, over I, it is not almost overkill it is definitely overkill but i want to do it at least once that sounds so sweet <laughs> yes yeah, worth worth trying once yeah, invasion of Alara into the ring, cascading into the ring, and hardcasting the ring for zero mana and getting another card into your hand plus the Alara ability. Uh, yeah, it is the most powerful five drop in the format and the most powerful four drop uh, casted on the same turn. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to do that at least once and to see <laughs> see how the overall how everything feels. Okay, so that is Zoo Ring Scaminator, one of the many, many trophy brews that you can find on the Dak Faden 07 YouTube channel. And this is just a selection of them, right? We've talked about seven or eight decks, but there's, there's many more, right? You've got Boros Prowess with Piet Nalar. We talked about that on the podcast before. Uh, you've got a Abzan Nissa Scam deck. You love your scams. So there's all kinds of treasures. Definitely encourage everyone to go check out the Deck Faden 07 YouTube channel and your Discord server. But what I wanted to ask you about before you go, Yosef, is just looking forward into the future. So we talked a little bit about the impact that Lord of the Rings is having already on Modern with high-profile cards like One Ring, Delighted Halfling, Orcish Bowmasters. You, as a brewer, are always looking for underappreciated sleeper hits 
And I'm, I'm wondering, like, what's your sense of the brewing potential for the rest of the Lord of the Rings set? Are there any cards you have your eye on? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. There are a few of them. I already mentioned some of them while we were talking about some of uh, my brews, like uh, Eomer, that is mm -hmm. my, I think, probably my next video. Uh, the Vinota list updated with uh, Eomer, and we also have uh, Mary uh, in the deck and Minas Spirit, and uh, some of uh, the new cards, definitely Boromir. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of new cards. There, The new edition completely enabled this cool new deck uh, which I think uh, it is it is on a significantly uh, uh, more powerful uh, overall uh, level than it was before. So I think that is a pretty good thing. A lot of these uh, medium uh, cards in the format that are well designed for the format. Unfortunately, one ring will probably cause more problems, but it is uh, uh, it should have costed maybe one mana more or something like that, but it is what it is. There are uh, other cards that are uh, very interesting mm. at the moment for me. Uh, I would also mention first some sideboard options like uh, Cast Into the Fire. I think uh, at the moment this is my uh, favorite sideboard option uh, for a lot of uh, red-based uh, decks. It uh, gets rid of uh, the ring, but also... Uh, it is uh, the Exile Clause. It's quite useful in some other situations. Uh, there is a Stone of Eric, the one mana, uh, the one mana uh, hate piece. It exiles the creatures when they would die. It can also exile the opponent graveyard. I think uh, this may be uh, more playable uh, than it is uh, so far. I mean, in the sideboard mostly, or in the main for the saga decks. But it is a one mana, a very good hate piece for uh, the scam, uh, which is scam is uh, rising in power at the moment in this uh, ring meta, and uh, maybe this card could become a relevant player against the scam. Uh, there is also a lot of other cards that I uh, would like to uh, further brew around. Uh, I already had some uh, ideas about Forge New. I still haven't tried anything with Forge New, but I had some interesting ideas with it, which I think uh, I already saw people trying uh, Boros builds, uh, just uh, uh, playing a Goblin Engineer, uh, putting uh, equipment into the graveyard. But I kind of wanted to mix uh, mix that build with uh, uh, what is it called, uh, the Grease Fang. Oh, really? Yeah, so, I mean, the Goblin Engineer is a very important card in the Grease Fang, and uh, you can, uh, you can like, play the Engineer, and then check out your hand, if you have, if you have Forge New in your hand, or you have a Grease Fang, if you have a Forge New, you're going to find uh, the six, uh, what is it called, the Armory, the, uh, the equipment of six mana that destroys the permanent on the attack, Argentum Armor. Yeah, that's right. Argentum Armor. Argentum Armor. Or if you have a Grease Fang in your deck, you're going to find uh, the vehicle. What is it? I don't can't remember the name. And uh, yeah, so I think you can really make, for example, that Engineer, the central piece on that deck, completely enabling uh, both strategies. And there are just so many cards that you would play in both of these decks anyway. These two uh, builds are not really countering each other. 
you would play like very similar cards in either of these builds if you play them separately. So it's definitely something I'm, I still have to try and didn't uh, didn't have much gameplay with it, but I want uh, something I want to try. Reprieve, I saw the Reprieve used in a lot of decks. I saw the Burn use it. Uh, the Zoolist use it, the four-color Omnath uh, text use it. I still think that it has uh, much more potential that um, it is being uh, used so far. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, it is basically the Remand, but it is much better than Remand. And it works over, it can be countered abilities. And uh, it being white is just so much more relevant uh, than uh, having access to the remand uh, when you are already in the blue. Some other cards, like Samwise Gamgee, obviously don't have to talk a lot about it. it they already People already made some serious results with this card. At times, it feels like a worse, uh, like a worse Yagmoth deck, but I still think the perfect list uh, maybe uh, is not found yet. Boromir, uh, it is card that is kind of a good hate piece and fits very well into humans, but also not just humans, but some other white Venus strategies or decks like Vinota. I talked about, uh, we mentioned Samwise Gamgee, Mary, Eomer, uh, other other stuff, but there are some cards that are maybe not have a home right now, but maybe they are on my radar and they could work uh, in future. Uh, for example, Dawn of the New Age. I can see this This is a card that uh, enters the battlefield with counters. And uh, end of turn, you remove a counter to draw a card. And uh, you get the number of counters, which is uh, uh, as large as number of creatures you control at that point. So uh, I don't see this at this moment being a good uh, main option for any of the top tier decks. Maybe the humans can use it and some uh, death and taxes. But there are some fringe strategies, Orzo tokens or mono white tokens that can really get borderline playable, uh, borderline competitive uh, modern decks that can really have some good use of this card. Uh, Call of the Ring, also similar uh, card to mana enchantment that can provide you a lot of card advantage. Uh, for example, uh, it can be used in those uh, Martyr decks uh, that... Uh, Recycle the one mana creatures from the graveyard. Interesting. If you can get additional ring tempts you mechanic working, uh, you can make this card very useful because it triggers the draw whenever the ring tempts you. And it, it's that card says that it tempts you on the upkeep. But whenever ring tempts you, you lose. You can lose two life and draw a card. So if you can get uh, recycle some uh, ring tempts you ability uh, each turn, maybe even multiple times, you can just end up drawing a bunch of cards but uh, there is still something people will have to uh, work on brew with uh, stuff like that yeah the downside there of call to the ring is that you only draw when you choose a creature as your ring bearer so if you don't have a creature in play you'll be tempting but you won't actually be getting the opportunity to draw yeah. so you do need to have creatures definitely you have to get have creatures and that is the reason why i would play that in a type of deck like i mentioned I, I can't remember the name but uh, there is a three mana enchantment end of turn it brings back the one uh, one mana uh, creature from your graveyard. yeah abiding grace 
Abiding Grace. Abiding Grace, yeah, uh, something something like that that uh, plays a lot of creatures and uh, making sure that you always have a good board, I would say. So you always have to some use of it. Uh, other than that, some uh, cards that haven't seen almost any play yet, but I think they could. Cards like Elven Chorus, which could maybe uh, pump bells uh, a bit to make them more playable. Uh, still something I have to test. Mm. Then the card I found that maybe pumped uh, Dreadhorde Arcanist a bit more pl- to a bit more playable state. He is not uh, quite there yet, but a bit more playable uh, is a card from the new edition called the Birthday Escape. <laughs> okay, I was wondering why this card was on your list. Birthday Escape one mana sorcery draw a card and the ring tempts you it is really sweet with the arcanist because you play this card and the arcanist becomes almost unblockable which is i think kind of relevant in a, in the deck with the dreadhorde arcanist because you sometimes don't want to attack with it because uh, people uh, you will uh, attack into a larger creature but he's a, a one power creature that can be blocked with the creatures with a higher power when you first trigger the first uh, ring time two and uh, draw a card, then you recast this card from your graveyard and immediately get the second uh, ring time two uh, ability. So with uh, with just the two copies of Birthday Escape, you can uh, get the full ring time two uh, mechanic uh, online, and each uh, of your ring leaders will have, uh, for the rest of the game, will have the full uh, four abilities from the ring time two mechanic. Yeah, we uh, we have a contingent of very serious limited players in our Discord. Really been grinding out this format. They say this is one of the best limited formats that they've ever played. And specifically, it's because of the Ring of Temptation mechanic. So I just spent this weekend having Voss and Zandy trying to sell me on, okay, yeah, put the, what is the the red shock that tempts you? Like, yeah, that's got to be good enough. You know, yeah. in limited, they're saying that the Ring Temptation is worth almost as much as drawing a card when you're evaluating cards. And... When you hear that, it makes me wonder, I mean, because we have these options. We have yeah. Birthday Escape. We have the, the Red Shock. Um, yeah, the Dreadhorde Arcanist is kind of brilliant, although we've been burned by that card many times before. Yeah, Dreadhorde Arcanist uh, got a small, small boost uh, with uh, maybe both of these cards, but I would say primarily the Birthday Escape, uh, because still drawing a card is uh, uh, can sure, be, sure. yeah, it's uh, very relevant. And... Uh, the thing when you have the Arcanist on the field, you get to replay the spell immediately, and uh, you immediately get to this relevant ability of the Ring Temptation mechanic when you draw a discard, a card on every uh, other attack from your Ring Leader, which is the most relevant uh, ability you want to get to in the beginning, of course, because that uh, draw discard is uh, very good, yeah. So, I think it is a very small boost from the Dreadhorde Arcanist. For the Dreadhorde Arcanist decks, it's still not quite uh, great as it was in Legacy, but a small boost and uh, with some more prints, it could uh, become a serious card one day for the modern. Okay, um, Sauron Ransom. I think Sauron's Ransom, that is a 3-mana instant spell in Dimir Colors, which is basically Factor Fiction for three mana and uh, already fact of fiction is a very powerful card but a bit too expensive for the modern it was a modern playable not so long ago 
but uh, it uh, it is not played for some time in modern. But now we have uh, this uh, Demirror spell that costs uh, one mana less, and uh, instead of five cards, it looks at uh, four cards. Four cards, and the ring tempts you. And the ring tempts you, yeah, yeah, and the ring tempts you. So it is a pretty interesting uh, interesting card, but it is not played so far that much in modern because the expressive iteration exists and uh, expressive iteration is also one of uh, the main card advantage spells you play in uh, Grixis deck but if uh, Grixis decks didn't have access to the expressive iteration this would be like uh, number one card advantage guard for that archetype and also if there was a Demir Competitive Demir deck in Modern, this would be a number one card advantage card for that deck too. So there is still no like really good Demir decks except for uh, Demir Shadow with the Merktide. Yeah, I agree. Sauron's Ransom has a lot of potential. I've seen a few lists playing it. Like I think Nasif put it into some kind of reanimator shell. But it's, it's kind of like a Shadow Prophecy that doesn't make you yeah. do the domain mana base. It doesn't make you lose life either. It, it puts cards, it fills your graveyard, same as the Shadow Prophecy. It looks at one card less, but you get the Ring Tempsu. So I, I think they're quite comparable, but not losing life in a control deck, especially, or in mm. the midrange deck. I think that is also very, uh, uh, very relevant. So uh, I think this is a very playable card. Also, I expect maybe some reanimator spells uh, decks to try it maybe like uh, three color or uh, two color mm-hmm. uh, something like that so i uh, already mentioned the minas Tirith as a best land in the edition there is that artifact palantir i think uh, this is a uh, playable mostly as a one-off in the combo decks like uh, glimpse uh, maybe living end even but it is all living end is already so pumped with the uh, large number of spells i don't uh, see the place for it but maybe glimpse uh, maybe uh, also tron on the current side which sideboard uh, i think there is uh, uh, i don't see it as a large player but maybe a, uh, a fun one-off or a serious one-off in some um, some modern decks uh, other than that there is aragorn I love the zoo strategies. Aragorn is kind of connected to the zoo style uh, decks builds. I don't really see it uh, as a good inclusion in the regular lists, but uh, I could see like if you're trying to make instant use of it uh, with its ability, like playing some free spells, maybe like a, a fury, uh, mutagenic growth. You can play Aragorn, immediately play the Mutagenic Growth, uh, get uh, the immediate use of uh, the Aragorn, or uh, car cast, pitch cast the Fury, uh, stuff like that. I, I think it can work, but I didn't find uh, anything, any good shell for it so far. That is basically it for that. I have a few more cards, uh, but uh, that were all the important ones. I think I mentioned either either now or before when we were talking about some of my brews. I think I mentioned all the cards I'm interested even a little bit into. So that's it. I mean, I love to see it. Your list goes much deeper than I think most people assume. So always looking to mine the depths of, of playables for a new set in modern. 
I'm looking forward to see what you do with all these. Definitely going to be tuning in to your YouTube channel. So, Yosef, before you go, just remind everyone, where can we find you? Yes, so uh, you can find uh, my YouTube channel uh, at the link provided uh, below. And uh, there is a, um, uh, I recently started a Discord community, maybe one month or two months ago. We have now Discord already around 100 members. That's awesome. You can come come there to talk uh, about your brews, maybe try to find the help uh, from the community with some of your brews or see the daily brews uh, I provide uh, every day there to see what is happening on the daily basis, which brews uh, succeed, which don't. And that's it. So uh, other than that, there is my uh, Twitch account. Uh, sorry, not Twitch, Twitter account. You also can find the link below. And I post there uh, most of my 5.0 lists, uh, some of uh, interesting 4.1 lists, and some also some thoughts uh, related to modern, like uh, some power level uh, stuff. Uh, but for the end, I just wanted to say just a small announcement for uh, the subscribers for my channel. Okay. Um, first, I'm considering uh, before the new edition starting start doing some uh, some uh, short videos about uh, my expectations from the new uh, from the new set, and also there is a possibility. It's nothing certain yet, but there is a possibility that there will be some. Uh, I will mix up with my magic content some uh, music on my uh, YouTube channel too. So. Uh, don't get too surprised. Oh, really? Yeah, there is a there is a possibility that will happen, and very soon. So don't be surprised. What kind of music do you play? I uh, I'm a I'm a also a songwriter. I write some songs, and everything you will hear, I did it uh, myself. Just told people what to do, and uh, recorded that uh, in the studio. So I most I play uh, the harmonica. I also sing, and uh, oh. so that is mostly uh, blues rock style. Okay, okay. Now I'm definitely gonna tune in. Don't, don't be shocked <laughs> if you see that uh, soon on my channel. That is mostly stuff I did uh, in the past, but uh, recently I got interested into start doing some new projects again. Uh, maybe record a few more. Uh, a few more things uh, that I didn't uh, before uh, when I was doing that uh, more, and uh, that's it. So don't just don't get surprised if you see that on my channel. It's a very <laughs> big possibility. It I will mix it up. Hopefully, it won't mess up the view rating for my uh, MTG related videos. Uh, but uh, I hope it will be accepted uh, at least decent. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's funny that right now, this week, Mana Symbol uh, is recording a studio album in Nebraska right now. He's the drummer for a friend's band. So who knows if you pick it up, you know, maybe you can do a collaboration. Yeah, yeah. Blues and brews, right? Blues, rock and brews. <laughs> <laughs> blues and brews. That is, that is good. Yeah, that is good. Uh, so, yeah, my thought process here was like, I'd rather just put it on this YouTube channel when I already have like 1,100 subscribers and not make another 
YouTube account just to just to put exactly. it. Yeah. So I, it had uh, more sense to me to do it like that. So I decided I just put it there and see what happens, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, you've earned the platform. You got to use it to promote your own stuff. Yeah, I mean, who is it for? It's for you. So. I mean, it's for that. Yeah, it's for that. So. I'll put content there. It's maybe magic, mostly magic, but some in the future, maybe also music stuff. I can't wait. All right, Josip, we're all out of time, but thank you so much. Always a pleasure to see what you're working on. Thank Pick you. Your brain a little bit and learn about these amazing decks. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. Thank you too. It is always great to talk to you and uh, be in the show. And yeah, goodbye to all the viewers. All right. See you next time. See you next Take time. Bye-bye. Deck list for this episode can be found at our homepage, faithlessbrewing.com. And don't forget to follow Yosip on YouTube, Twitter, and Discord for even more fresh brews. Support for this podcast is provided by brewers like you. Join the Faithless family and help support the show at patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing. For Discord access, bonus content, and more. That's all for today. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.